everybody. Dave DeBow here with the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And let me ask you a question. How quickly do you think you can do a flip? Or how quickly do you think a flip can be done in real estate? Well, our guest today, Bryce McKinley, is a very experienced real estate investor. And he's done a lot of flips. He's been doing this stuff for over 10 years. And in fact, he's written a book on it. And he's got a book that is called The Five-Hour Flip. So Bryce, welcome to the show. And we're going to dig into what the heck is a five-hour flip and how are we able to do that kind of thing. So welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, you know, realistic expectations. It takes more than five hours, but when you hone in and master a process, it can really only be five hours from start to finish. Of on your time, right? That's what you're talking about, right? So it's not necessarily we start at 1 p.m. today and by 6 p.m. we got a flip done. That's it's it. a matter of how much of your time and effort is put into doing a flip. Would that be a fair? Okay, Absolutely. well, let's, Bryce, tell us about it. So you've written this book. You've got a process for it. We'll let people know how to get the book. But if you don't mind giving us the big picture, what, what is your, your process of doing one of these five-hour flips? Yeah, so in the book, we break down two processes, one of which is the seven steps of really any business, but in this case, we apply it to real estate investing, specifically wholesaling and or flipping. And then the other side of that is a five-step process that goes into every single conversation. And when you master and pair the two processes together, Dave, you really have a beautiful thing to where you can only engage in certain tasks and responsibilities and delegate the rest. And so between those two processes, it's it's helped me be super and uber successful in the real estate space, but I've used it and applied it to other industries prior to as well. And it's worked just as efficiently. So I'm excited to break it down for you. Yeah, well, let's break it down. Maybe let's take a look at those seven steps that you go through when it's doing a wholesale deal or a flip. You know, obviously we can't in 15 minutes, take a deep dive, but you can give us the big, broad strokes of those. What would those steps look like? Ironically enough, I think the number one problem that people have is twofold. One, they just don't hire a coach. And I believe that everyone should have a coach because they've already went and trudged the path before you. And two, they tend not to trust the process and they go and look for five or six or seven different mentors and then they Frankenstein their business together. And after doing almost 11,000 transactions, we found that there were seven steps that happen every single time. And so the very first step is marketing goes out. And we put marketing out to sellers because that's inevitably where the problem lies. We need to solve these problems for homeowners that are in distressed situations. Not always distressed properties, but distressed situations, going through divorce, over their head in debt. Maybe they had a death in the family, age. They're getting up there in age. They've got problem tenants or properties, right? So we put marketing out specifically to these demographics that have situations that we can solve. So are you, there's there's a gazillion different ways to do marketing. We can't go in depth into that, but what would be your number one way that's working best for you guys right now? Is it direct mail? Yeah. Cold outreach? Is it what 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 are you doing? It's twofold. It's twofold. So our number one organic and free marketing, which we go in depth in the book and talk about, is what we've been doing for 10 plus years. And that is Facebook group marketing. So your garage sale, auction sites, your antique sites, your man caves, yard sale, garage sale, swip swap, 
all of the ancillary groups that us entrepreneurs don't typically join because they're convoluted with all of the things in the neighborhood that everybody else is like buying and selling and swapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we talk in depth about how you can join these groups and add value to these groups, maybe commenting on posts and then putting out an ask every two to three days, in turn, generating two to five hot motivated sellers every single week. And that's just partaking in one group. Imagine if you did this to five groups or 10 groups every single day. Now you're generating five to 10 hot motivated sellers every single week. And if you do that four times a month or four weeks in the month, which is average, you're looking at 40 to 50 hot leads a month. All you've got to do is close one or two of those to have a great return on the 15 to 20 minutes that it takes. And so we really break down that process in depth, join 10, post 10, market, network, and hold on to and acquire the KPIs for those groups that you're joining and grabbing. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably step two happens, which is leads come in. It's almost not even a step, but the micro processes in between is where having that coach or mentor comes in and what systems are they using to manage the leads and so forth, which I'll just say right now, Dave, I don't recommend having a massive CRM and a massive direct mail this and a driving for dollars app that I just don't recommend that. When you're first starting out, running lean and running fast is the best way to the money, taking that money and investing it back in. So step one is marketing out. Step two is leads come in. And step three is conversations that lead to a contract. Mm -hmm. That all happens on the left side. If you're looking at it on like a whiteboard, for example, all that happens on the left side of the equation with the seller. Now, once you take step three and you have a conversation that leads to you getting a contract, well, then you just rinse and repeat that same process over to an end buyer. Whether it's a flip that you're doing, you flip it, you work all the micro processes, market that flip out to an end buyer, leads come in, whether you're flipping or wholesaling, leads come in and you have a second or ancillary conversation that leads to a contract. It's so simple. So those are the first six steps, marketing out, leads come in, conversation that leads to a contract, same on both sides. And then the seventh step is those contracts go to title and close. Step number seven, all deals go to heaven, right? (laughs) Super basic, super simple, and we get paid, right? Yeah. So basically, marketing for leads on one side of thing, getting the deal tied up, and then marketing for end buyers on the other side, and then tying the deal up at the end. That's That's it. That's what it's all about. That's it. And people I found over the last 10 years and why I got into coaching as a former Fortune 500 business consultant is that people make it so much more difficult than what it is. Sure, there's micro processes on each step, but if you understand the flow of the deal and the process, all of those other things, you just learn with time and repetition. Well, you buzz through those seven steps pretty quick there, my friend. So now we got a little bit of time to talk about your other five steps, which you talked about this is one part of the process. The other part of the process is what? What are the five steps you're talking about? Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming investor attraction workshop. 
You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Yeah, so when you look at those seven steps, the really the only two things that you need to understand or master is marketing, which we talk about it in the book, and then conversations. And that's where you really can't type or have such a great conversation in a book and partake and relay everything that needs to happen in a conversation because it's going to vary on everybody's personality. So if you're an introvert, you're going to do things different than an extrovert. If you're an analytical versus a visionary, you know, all these different personality types. But I found that by following these same five steps, it doesn't matter what your personality type is, mm. you can master this flow and art of conversation. And so, Dave, I always account the conversation process as if somebody was going to the gym. Right. First thing you do when you go to the gym is you stretch out. You'll kind of warm up, get the heart and the blood flowing and so forth. Then you stretch out, you warm up with good form. Step number two at the gym, you don't just go over to the bench and start bench pressing 300 pounds. No, you bridge the gap. You kind of move. Some of us do. Some of us do. That's true. Don't want to brag. Not me. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be like Dave, just go straight to the 300 pounds and start maxing out. (laughs) That's right. So we have to inevitably like move the needle, right? If 300 is your starting point, well, then you bridge the gap to 400 to 500, right? Whether you're doing squats, leg press. So you bridge the gap and you move the needle to have the results that other people have had, or in other words, like they say, keeping up with the Joneses, right? We can do that in conversation. I'll show you guys here in just a little bit. But then step three happens. Step three at the gym happens every single time we sit down into a communication event or at the gym, a workout, whether you're leg pressing, squatting, bench pressing, flies, whatever it is, you start get to rep eight rep nine, rep 10, and you start to create this chemical imbalance that tells your muscles they're fatigued. So in order to protect yourself, you create these limiting beliefs that you're weak. That's what happens to the chemical mind or the subconscious in one's mindset when they get to rep eight, rep nine, rep 10. And we can recreate that in the conversation. I'll show you that also here in just a second. But then something funny happens. When you get done working out, if you don't stretch back out after you step four, close out your set, mm-hmm. step five, if you don't stretch out or cool down, you could also get just as hurt if you didn't do it at the beginning. And I found that kind of, you know, parenthesizing all five of those steps between the warm up and the cool down. It's no different in a conversation. If we just go right in for the kill, business is most likely not being done. Or if we do steps one through four and we're just like, all right, high five, we'll see you later and walk out. People are like, oh no, what did I just do? And inevitably cancel contracts, start shopping your deal and so forth. So it can really be detrimental on both ends of the deal if you don't warm up and cool down with good form. So how does this apply to the conversation? 
Well, a lot of us that have had sales training may recognize the acronym WARM with Ford, F-O-R-D. Well, I can no longer teach that because of some copyright and trademark infringements that would go against previous contracts that I've had. So I switched it to WARM with Ford, just like at the gym. And FORM is an acronym that stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, Motivation. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see my hands right now, but there's F-O-R on one and M on another is being held up on my fingers. The reason I do that is because that one standalone motivation or money will never be truly solved if you don't know what someone is for. So we should be asking three to five questions about their family, three to five questions about their occupation, three to five questions around what they do for fun to get their mind off of all the stress and headache that they've been dealing with. And when you do that, you tend to find without them even telling you what would solve their money or motivation. Do they want more time with their family? Do they need more time to go fishing with the guys? Do they need less stress so that they can focus on work? Is their job taking them somewhere else and they need to sell faster, you know, rather than slower? All of these factors come out when you just have a conversation about what people are for, truly being able to solve their money or motivation. Now we bridge that into step two, which is bridging the gap, right? The 100, 150, 200, 300 on the weight bench. Well, the same thing happens in business or conversations where we don't just dive right in. What's your number? Well, no, we need to know a little bit more. But people want to know that they are going to have success like other people that you worked with, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. So we can start to transition that from step one to step two in the conversation with word tracks such as, gosh, well, let's get started. Little do they know you've already started. It's a very simple neuro-linguistic programming method of what is what we call start before you start, finish before you finish. Mm-hmm. And Okay, great. Well, let's get started. And you can kind of bridge the gap. You know, another word track is, you know, most of the people that I talk to, Dave, they want to know what I do and how I do it. But most importantly, like how much I can offer for their house. Do you have those same types of questions? Yeah, and so you, know, you planted the seed in their mind of the questions they should be asking anyhow. Right? Exactly. And we're looping them in with other people that have already had success working our process. Right. And so when they're already involved in that process and they know and trust and like you, and they have a similar core value of beliefs, because I don't believe that people always do business with people they know, like, and trust. They do business with people they know, they like, or trust but they always do business with people that have a similar belief system. And when they know that you care, they will care about what you know. And so they'll engage. So now we bridge the gap and we start this teeter-totter effect between their current reality, which is their friends, their family, occupation, recreation, and their desired reality, of which is selling this property or this house or this piece of land or raising capital, or getting new contractors at your flip, or getting your kids to pick up their toys, or the wife to do the dishes. Like, it works with anything. Now you start to bridge this gap into the desired reality, and we have to break down their belief systems. If they think that house is worth 200 because their neighbor sold on the retail market at 200, well, that's their belief system. So we start getting into step three, which if you remember at the gym, is that limiting beliefs factor. So step number three in the conversation is what I call asking defeating questions. So it's not what you say, 
it's how you say it. Okay. And for any of us in real estate, no, like we all know if you've already done a real estate transaction or two, most people walk into a house or situation with the idea of, oh yeah, we're going to tear this wall out. Like, why haven't you done this yet? You know, and really demeaning their property. In reality, we could ask questions like, oh, wow, has this wall been here since 1972? Whenever the house was built, mm-hmm. right? And now they start to create this limiting belief that, oh, wow, is it not like that in 2022? Is it not like that in 2023, 2024? You're indirectly tearing down the house. (laughs) Indirectly, but in reality, I'm asking questions that challenge their beliefs without them sharing their beliefs. Because right now, we all know that they want as much as they possibly can for their property. Right. And for the same reason, we want to give as much as we possibly can, but they're not always the same. It's usually a big difference there. And so if we can get a similar belief system, by asking these questions that challenge where they currently are versus their desired reality, which is just to be done, to be let go of the stress, we have a much better conversation. Now, once we've walked through the proverbial house, in our case, we do everything virtual. We've been virtual for 10 years. So we had this conversation over the phone. Tell me a little bit about the kitchen, Dave. When was the last time you did any updates, upgrades, or improvements on the place? Hmm. Oh, wow. Five years ago, you put in new cabinets. Was that just a reface or did you tear them all out and do it all over again? Oh, no, no, no. They oh, so it wasn't a full gut and rehab. See what I'm doing? I'm kind of saying, yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the bathrooms, the floors, the fixtures, the carpets, everything. Right. And now what they thought it should have been and what it really is are two different things. So then we bridge that gap again in from step three, the defeating questions into step four, which is the close. So this is where it gets serious. I got to ask, now that we understand what the property may or may not be worth, what would be the absolute lowest amount you take for the property today? They say this, you say, wow, how did you figure that number? How did you come to that number when you're so on and so forth, right? Remember step four, we rack the bar in our, at the gym, we close out our set. Yeah. It's no different going into the close. We want to start racking every piece of what they give us as data or what they feel to be a truth. And rack is an acronym, R-A-Q. It's repeat what they say, assign a feeling or an emotion to it, and then ask a question. So if they say 180,000, we know they probably wanted 200. Oh, wow, 180,000. Gosh, you sounded pretty confident around that number there. Where did you come up with that? Oh, I looked on Zillow.com or whatever it is. I had a realtor friend run numbers six months ago. Oh, that makes sense. Six months ago. You do realize the numbers change up and down in six months, right? May I share? And then you ask for permission. May I share how and what the market looks like today? Inevitably, they're going to say yes. Right. Now, with your permission get granted, you become the trusted authority. So here's what's really going on in the market. I think six months ago and even today, you could probably get 200. But with the kitchen and the three bathrooms and the garage conversion that needs to be put back and made a garage and so on and so forth, I think realistically, that's going to cost $50,000, $60,000 to get it back up to that market value. Do you have fifty grand to get it up there? No. 
So let me ask you again, if I gave you cash today, how much would you absolutely have to get to walk away and say, I'm done with this stress? So you could get on the road and spend more time with your family in that new lake house you guys just bought. <laughs> Using back into all that, the, all the stuff you bought at the beginning of the quarter. Right. Nice. Now they're 180, which was 200. Their 180 inevitably comes 130 because they just anchored themselves with that $50,000 rehab or greater right now with cost. Yeah. And at a 200 ARV at 130, we all know that's a great deal. There you go. Awesome. I want to go lower, do 125 and negotiate an extra five or six grand. Like it's not very difficult. Right. Right. So and that's they, that's step number four. Right. That's it. So that you get that now. What happens to step number five? You got, we got to do step number five is the congratulations, warm down with form. Gosh, Dave, I'm so glad that we could get this checked off of both of our list. I'm excited to see all the new pictures from the lake house, but I'm curious, how are you going to go celebrate tonight? You're going to go. Do you have a soccer game to go to, or are you guys going to go out for a steak dinner? What does that look like? Feel like? Smell like? Whatever indicators they said they are. If they're an analytical person, like what are you thinking about tonight? If they're a visionary like me, like what does dinner look like tonight? You're going to go celebrate over steak dinner, you know? If they're a, an auditory learner, you know, or speaker, and you'll know by the things that they say, which is one of the things that I teach. If they're an auditory, is like, gosh, what's on the menu tonight? What what sounds good? Yeah. Yeah. You know, word tracks like that, and inevitably they're like, oh, yeah, we'll probably go to, you know, Texas Roadhouse or Applebee's, whatever they say. Mm -hmm. Nice. What do you get there when you go often? Whatever, yeah. whatever. Warm down with form. Next thing you know, you're high-fiving. You're walking out the door with the contract, reselling the contract for a much larger profit or flipping that house or property for a much larger profit. It's a win, 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 win all the way around. New homeowner gets a beautiful home. Seller gets what they need. You get a property and make a little profit helping people in the middle. Well, there you go. Beautiful, beautiful recap in a very short period of time of a whole book, five-hour flip. If people want to find out more about you and the book, what should they do, Bryce? Yeah, thanks for asking, Dave. They should check it out. It's the number five, hourflip.com. Every other page throughout the ebook there, it's seven bucks. If you go to Amazon, it's like 20 bucks. So just go to our website, fivehourflip.com. And every two to three pages, if you have any questions, you can book a call with someone from my team. And occasionally on Fridays, if there's calls on my calendar, I jump in there and uh, take those calls myself. Awesome. Bryce, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Hey, Dave, my pleasure. Take care. All right, everybody, take care and apply what you just learned here, not only finding great deals, tying up these great deals, but also I took a lot of notes there on that five-point system for having effective conversations, not just with sellers, but with pretty much anybody. So, Bryce, thank you very much for sharing that. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate you. All right, everybody, take care. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.